Welcome back to the Get Unstuck and On Target podcast. I'm Mike O'Neill with Bench Builders, and as a coach, I work with leaders to help them solve the problems that are slowing their company's growth. The most common are people problems, but companies also tend to struggle with process and planning problems. Are you an introvert? If you're listening or watching and you said yes, you're going to enjoy meeting today's guest, Semi Sarah is a sales and business coach who works with introverted entrepreneurs, consultants, and coaches to help them easily communicate their unique value with zero sales ickiness. Welcome, Simi. Thank you so much, Mike, for having me today. It's my pleasure to be here. Simi, I was interested in you coming on this podcast because you bring to this conversation a unique perspective, not that introversion is unique, but I've never had an episode where we talk about how introversion is not necessarily the barrier that people think it is. And particularly mm-hmm. when we're talking about sales, the natural tendency is for introverts to say, oh, I can't be good at sales, only extrovert are good. I want to learn from you how you can help us debunk that myth in practical ways. I also want to point out to our listeners that you may say, well, wait a second, I'm not in sales. I'm in some other leadership role. What I would argue is that if you're in a leadership role, you are in sales because you are trying to sell ideas. You are convincing others, perhaps, who will work for you um, of how to move in a certain direction. So I would hope that anybody and everybody Extroverts, introverts, those in sales, those not in sales could benefit from our conversation. So I'm glad you're with us. Let's just kind of jump in. Simi, I know that you did not come to being um, a sales and business coach right out of the blocks. You came to that after working in a very non-sales role. Can you tell us a little bit about that, please? Yes, absolutely, Mike. So uh, before uh, moving to uh, coaching the business as sales and business coach, I was actually working in an investment banking industry, financial industry, and my role there primarily was to analyze the investments, the stock investments, and also prepare pitches. So it was more of like an on-desk job where I was behind three screens, doing the analysis, minding my own business, and just having a great day. Now, my understanding was you were doing what came natural. You were using your knowledge very, very well. And then the CEO came to you and asked you to do something different. What was that something different? Yeah. So as my days were gladly passing by me doing the financial work, one day I've been called by my CEO because at that time I used to report directly to CEO. And he called me and he's like, you know, I am changing the way our team works. I'm just shifting uh, roles before I go get into the performance appraisals for this year. And I want you to take the lead on the business development front as well while you're doing whatever you're doing. And my first reaction was inside my head was, what? I, I was like shivering. I was terrifying. I was frightening. I was shaking. It was just I was able to hold myself, stand still in front of him. But inside, something broke already in me. Just by hearing the word, you are going getting into business development role as well. 
So here you are, you're thrust into this and you had to figure it out. How did you go about figuring out how to be successful doing that? What did you end up doing to learn what works best? So there was two issues. Primarily, I never wanted to get into the business development role. And even when people told me that, oh, you are getting into business development role in an, any company, the salespeople are the people who get most of the money. So you're going to get the most uh, out of your salaries and etc. Two things were bothering me. One, I was introvert. And I believe that I cannot initiate or have conversation like extroverts with people you know I believe that extroverts are good at just pulling conversation out of nowhere but me for me as an introvert I was like I'm more on the to the point person you just gonna ask me a question I'm gonna give you an answer secondly uh, the way I grew up I believe that salespeople are the people who always annoy you nags you frustrates you irritates you and just do not understand the meaning of no until you buy it and I felt like if I'm gonna do that role I'm gonna do the same thing to someone else and it was absolutely again some of my core values and criteria so there was very much conflicting thoughts in my head that one I'm an introvert how can I sell and then second sell it means now I have to nag people manipulate people and it's not gonna be fun Obviously, you overcame it. You were successful in that role, and that led to you becoming a sales coach, working with salespeople, working with business owners. So you're both a sales and business coach. Now, my understanding is that not only did it work, you found that there are some keys. Matthew, I think you even have coined that blissful selling is kind of the program that you offer your clients. So I have to ask, that's a bit of an unusual title. Tell us something about why did you choose the term blissful selling? Oh, that's a very good question because um, like I said, when I was in that stage and when state of in my career where I had no option but to either quit the job or just go with the challenge I got to myself, I first tried everything out there happening in the traditional selling world. And it never worked for me. Maybe it was working for other, but it did not work for me. And the more it wasn't working for me, more I was getting no's and rejections, the more it was making me feel worthless or something wrong with me or something that it was more making my beliefs stronger that introverts can't sell. Then that was a point for me either to give up or to come up with the introvert-friendly selling system, which makes me feel comfortable servicing that that it does not give me the feeling that I'm manipulating someone rather it gives me the feeling that I'm serving someone I'm helping someone and also get the thing done which is like getting the job done getting people say yes and it did not the answer did not came come to me in a single day it took me over a period of time to get that answer and develop the process but if you're going to ask me what was that shift the shift was I realized that people do not buy for your reasons. People buy for their own reasons, by their own choices. And if you can learn how to elicit those 
reason that people have to buy and show them their own reasons, they're going to always say yes. You know, Simi, we talked earlier about what you found was the conventional approach to teaching people how to sell. It came mm-hmm. across to you, I love these words, it came across as kind of salesy, hard sell, icky is the word you use. Yes. Um, and you mentioned that to be successful, you have to understand why it is the client is actually buying. And I know you work with your clients to help them kind of get to that point. You know, one of the things that we also know in sales is that, that they say, if you'll just follow this formula, bang, 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 you'll be successful in sales. One of those bullets on the formula is a sales script. And we said, you know, we're going to talk about how introverts can be successful in all pursuits, but we're also going to talk about sales and sales success. So I'd like to kind of shift the conversation a little bit about this notion of how ditching your sales script can significantly increase your conversions. What is about sales scripts? Why is it that organizations say you must operate off a sales script? Yeah, so uh, you asked a very valid question that a lot of organizations emphasize on following a certain script. And most of the script they have designed based on their idea of what was working with them in the past. And initially, when I get into that role of business development, I also followed the sales script people used to follow in my company. But what I realized is it wasn't still working for me because it made me feel like I'm not having a conversation at all. I'm just reading a script. So most of my time is looking at the screen and not paying attention to the person. And I want to ask you, Mike, how would it feel like to you if you're having a conversation with someone and the the other person is looking at their phone? Well, I would feel probably the same way that most others would. I'd feel I would be turned off. Yes, you will be turned off. They they are sticking to the script and in doing so are turning me off. Yes, and that was exactly happening because my attention was not on the people I'm going to sell to, but more on the script. And the other problem with the script was there was a structure uh, followed by of certain question that, okay, you ask this, ask this, then this, then this, then this. But there was no linking of if after I got the answer to first question, is it really valid for me to ask the second question or do you need to introspect something else? That was not there. The, it was like mindlessly reading and just gathering that information without knowing what you're going to do with that information. And that's why sales script never worked for me at all. You are challenging us that if we are using a script, there's a better way. Um, you know, Simi, this is a, a unscripted conversation you and I are having. You don't know what question I'm going to ask. Sometimes I don't know until it kind of comes out of my mouth. But what I would say to you is that this gives me the flexibility to kind of pursue my curiosity, to learn more about the guest, give the guest an opportunity to share a little more about themselves. And I can kind of liken this conversation to what could be a sales conversation. Um, I want to make sure that our listeners see Simi and hear Simi 
in a way that is most valuable to them. But to do that, I really need to understand how do you want to come across as a guest? Is that a parallel to the way you find sales work? Try to look at things from the perspective of the person you're speaking with? Yes, absolutely. Because it's not about you as a seller, as a company, as a leader, as a corporation, as an individual as well. If we just talk about the relationship perspective, it's always about the other person. And the thing with scripts is when a script is designed from a past in analysis of work word, it kind of has a generalization that every single person is having the same issue or every single person operate from these belief set, which is not true. Every single person is different. So how can you have one fit script for all? that actually gets them to say yes to you until they are really getting annoyed and they just want to leave you and they're just saying because you're forcing them now to say yes and they're not able to say no. But my point is, because every single person is unique in the way they perceive the idea, the way they think, the way their needs are structured and the way they come up with why I needed this or do not need this, is going to be different. And that's so the key. You, in this process, have kind of put together what you have found works. Bear in mind, many of your clients um, are introverts, introverts that may be in a business development role. And so you've put together a program that you call Blissful Selling. Um, I, I would love to start with that. Why do you call your sales coaching program, Blissful Selling? So I named this uh, Blissful Selling because as I shared earlier as well, that initially I associated selling with some terrible feelings of fear, annoyance, frustration, and whatnot. So every time I used to think of selling, even when I switched to the role of coaching and I knew that now I have to sell my own stuff mm -hmm. before I even teach other people how to do that. There was this ickiness, there was sleaziness, this limsiness, this frustration, the nagging feeling still going on inside me. And I was like, this is not the way it's going to happen. I need to turn the script. I need to flip the script. I need to do something else, which was linking selling to some, to mean from one thing to some other thing. So earlier in my mind, I linked selling with all the problematic problems and feelings. But I know I wonder if I can link selling as something fun, as something blissful, as something where you get to serve serve people, as something where you're actually helping people and not manipulating them, it's going to be something I do want to do more of. And that's how I asked myself, well, then what would I like selling to be for myself and for any other introvert out there? And the first answer came was, I wish selling is blissful to do, then I'm going to do it every single day. And again, believe it or not, like you said, we are selling all the time. We are selling ITRs, we are selling our values, we are selling not just our product and services, but our beliefs on to others in relationships, in friendships, in corporations, in team culture. Selling is happening all the time. It's just that when you have this thing in perspective that, oh, 
presenting my idea to in a certain way gonna be which gonna help the other person is blissful is empower you to do it more to get open to itself and that's how the idea of blissful selling came into the picture now you described to to me prior to us recording this podcast that the approach that you try to take with your clients um, is a real high touch approach that you're trying to help them get maximum results in the shortest amount of time and that the goal is that you want to start truly connecting with your best potential clients um, without necessarily resorting to hard sell tactics. So give us a peek behind the curtain in terms of ways that you try to change it from a script because you're advising us ditch the script. Yes. And much more a conversation that's building a relationship. Give us a little bit of insight about how you help your clients reframe what sales is and what it's not. And how do you kind of work with them to develop that capability and mindset? Yes, absolutely. So when I work with my clients and... um before I step into it, I think I need to mention one more thing about why it is blissful selling because most of most of my clients are introverts. The thing is, this system works for them so easily because there are two things introverts in general are really good at. One is listening because they avoid getting into the conversation where they're talking, but they're more uh, open to taking the role of a listener and observing. So listening and observing comes naturally to introverts as compared to extroverts or ambiverts because that's what they have practiced all the time. So when my clients come to, to me and I say to them, listen, you're already good at listening. You're already good at observing. And these are the two things you need to make the sale. The only thing you are missing is finding or eliciting what the other person really, really want. And because, again, I'm going to emphasize on this statement that every single person, every single prospect of yours, even if they're coming for the one same solution, they have a different need. They have a different belief system. They have a different perception of reality and perception about you. So one single script can never be fit for all solution kind of thing. So whenever you're talking to, and this is what I teach that, my clients that whenever you're getting into a conversation, a sales conversation, it, the very first thing is important is to find out what the prospects really, really want. It's like keeping your services set aside and telling the prospect that I'm not here to impose my services on you. I'm here to help you make a decision that whether this thing is really helpful for you or not. And for that, I need some information from, from, from you so that I can understand better that whether this is going to help you or not. So kind of it's like creating a platform where you are telling the prospect that, hey, we are not sitting polar opposite to each other, trying to one up on each other. We are rather sitting on the same side of the table and I'm collaborating with you to make a decision that whether it's this investment of money, time and effort is going to work for you or not, whether it is right for you or not. When you go from that, that set of belief, um, things shift. And then you get into the deeper conversation. You leave every sales tactic out the, the spectrum. 
and you just become curious about the other person. And then you ask them genuine question, being present in that moment, and you ask them about what they really want. I know that me asking that question, I'm asking to summarize in a very small, small amount of time uh, the whole approach. But one thing I really like about what you're describing is you're pointing out to introverts that you already have an advantage. And the advantage is you probably already are a good listener. And what I understood you to say is that in listening, what you're listening for is what are the real needs? And mm -hmm. I thought it was really interesting. If you can, in this conversation, not a sales pitch, but in this conversation, mentally set aside your products or services and really understand what are the challenges that they have, not in a manipulative way, and to understand based on your insightful questions, help them. I love that word collaborate. Collaborate with them to kind of see is what is that, that I have to offer a good fit for them or not. Did I hear that one right? Yes, absolutely. Now, as you're working with introverts and you're helping them to kind of throw out the formulas and do the things we just kind of talked about, what do you find that your clients most often struggle with most? So one thing I found when they come to this shift, they're always this um, inner resistance in them or inner nervousness in them, in my clients of, of what if I forget to ask the right questions? Or if there is a sales objection, what if I did not have the right question at that point of time that actually can create a significant shift in the conversation? What I'm going to do about that? That's, this is one uh, problem all my clients have is like, okay, so maybe we got it, but how we ask the right questions. So if that's the most common thing that comes up, what do you do as a coach to kind of help them address that? So one thing I do is to tell them, so I have some reframing patterns I, which I took and learned from the NLP, which is used in the therapy world to change the perspective, the way people see reality to a different context. And I teach those patterns specifically how they applied in sales as well. But then even when I teach them those reframing patterns of how what you can shift one's perception from one context to another. I tell them that if you're really listening to the conversation, if you're present and you're not thinking in your head that what I'm going to say next, what I'm going to say next, or what if they raise the objection or what if they say no in the clock, if you're not running ahead in your time, in your mind, you're present there and you're actually listening to them very curiously as if you genuinely want to help them, whether they say no or yes in this call. You're always going to find the right question to ask them. And sometimes people make right questions too tricky that it has to be something over the top of the world kind of question. Sometimes asking a simple dumb question can also significantly shift the conversation. So you're encouraging us when we are in these conversations to try to be fully present. Yes. By basically throwing out the window, the script, throwing out the window, oh, we've got to get to this, 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 and this in the time we have. Be fully present and pursue curiosity. That if you pursue that curiosity, 
that's conveying to them genuine regard for them. And in that limited amount of time, you're trying to come across and see to what extent might we connect? To what extent might that connection lend itself to us doing business together? So, Simi, as you kind of reflect on how you've helped clients, let me ask the more specific question. Can you share an example where either you or a client got stuck? And what did you do? What did they do to get unstuck? Yes, absolutely. So uh, recently, uh, my client was sharing me with that how she was on a call. She's a health coach and she said that, oh, there was, everything was going very smooth, but then she raised this money objection. We all fear that where the prospect said, because she's into high ticket coaching system and her price were the high side of four figures. And when she quoted the price, the prospect said that it's too expensive for me. And um, I'm pretty proud of my client that she took a deep breath and then she asked that, oh, I heard you that it's a very, it sounds very expensive to you. May I ask compared to what? Because that was, again, a reframe because when we have this generalization, oh, this is too expensive. In our mind, we are comparing to something, but we are not aware of consciously what we are comparing to. And when she asked that question, her client was almost suddenly started searching for the answer that exactly what I'm comparing it with. And then whatever answer she gave, that she's like, like there were there as other coaches who are offering it to for 2K investment. And then she's like, yes, there are coaches who are offering it for 2K, but do they offering this personal touch approach in their coaching program? And the client was able to say no. And she's like, but I'm giving you one-on-one -on -one assistance while we are in this program. So can you see the comparison in her head? And the last thing, again, to just solidify that she got it right. She all again asked her that you just said that it's too expensive and you told me what it is comparison uh, and compared to what you were thinking that. But just so that I understand you better, what is more important for you? Is it the cost of bearing the regular health bills because your health going to deteriorate as the more you're going to push up or investing this much price. When she pulled out that frame, suddenly her prospect was able to see the long-term effect of not taking action right now and how much more money it's going to cost on those bills versus the investment. And then she was able to say, oh, now when you showed me like this, I can see this is not that much expensive. So that was one example of how one can handle money objections. That's a great example, Simi. You know, we kind of talked about a variety of topics in this conversation. We started by exploring why introverts sometimes have these limiting beliefs, particularly when it comes to sales. And you've tried to convey to us is that those natural tendencies that introverts have actually give them an advantage if they're willing to go about what they're doing differently. Namely, throw the script out the window and to really hone your ability to be fully present, ask good questions, and in that process, I think you said, put aside whatever your products or services are in terms of features and benefits. And what you're trying to do is collaborate with them to help them and help you 
get a sense, are we a good match? Might this be something that you have, um, that you could benefit from? I don't know how to summarize this conversation, but let me just ask, as you kind of reflect on what we've talked about thus far, what do you want to be those major takeaways? Yes, absolutely. And I think you have very well summarized everything we've been talking to. I just want to add one more thing into it. First of all, as a salesperson, you just know your product and service really well and believe in yourself. If you do not believe in your own services or product, trust me, no matter how good you become, even it, even it, what we have talked so far, there's unconscious nonverbal communication also happening while you're talking and people going to pick that. So make sure you know what your services can do and cannot do. Then absolutely be a decision-making facilitator for your prospect and not a salesperson who is imposing them to say yes. Help them understand, help them see their own most uh, important desires and want and then link your product or services to those desires only if you believe that your services can actually help them achieve those desires. Because if you are sure that your services cannot do justice and you're still doing that, then it's again, you're kind of manipulating the people. And that's what not the objective is. That's not the blissful selling. Blissful selling is being very upfront and honest that if you know that the, your problem cannot, that you cannot solve the prospect's problem with your solution, be very upfront and honest with them that I heard you. This is what you want. This is what you need. This is my scope of service and it cannot gonna do 100% justice. So I leave the option open to you. Do you still want it? Or I can arrange some references for you who I know can help you in this situation. That one statement gonna generate more sales for you because the other person gonna refer you for your honesty, for your vulnerability, and for your presence. And that's how you create principal selling. So know what you sell, know, believe in your own services, be present, ditch the script, and make it about the other person understand their wants and needs and help them show how your services help those, um, how to materialize those needs and wants. I love how you kind of tie that all together. Uh, excellent job. Simi, as we've got folks who are listening and they say, gosh, I'd like to, I'd like to connect with Simi. What's the best way for them to do so? Yes, the best way for do so is uh, reach out to me on the LinkedIn, send me a DM, tell me that you're coming from this podcast and maybe I have a special goodie for you if you reach out to me. We will include your LinkedIn profile. Matter of fact, I think you and I connected on LinkedIn yeah. initially. Uh, it led to a conversation. That conversation led me to say, you know what, Simi would be a great podcast guest. Um, I thought you would. You, in fact, were. I really appreciate sharing a perspective that we needed to hear. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mike, for having me today. Thank you. I also want to thank our listeners for joining us today. This is episode 108. So if you'd like access to all the podcasts, just go to our website, bench-builders.com. While you're there, you can also subscribe to our weekly blog called The Bottom Line. This weekly newsletter is a quick read, and it offers even more practical management tips. So if you're trying to grow your business and you wanna make sure you've got the right people, 
process and planning systems in place that goes without saying. You want all that to happen so you can grow smoothly. If that's what you want to do, grow smoothly, let's talk. Head over to bench-builders.com and let's schedule a call. This is going to be a non-sales call. I'm going to try to heed what you just shared with us, Simi. I'm going to try to learn what those growth goals are and explore practical steps that you can take right now to make sure that that growth happens. So I want to thank you for joining us. And I hope you have picked up on some tips from Simi. They'll help you get unstuck and on target. Until next time. 